Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to the Run to Daylight Football Funcast with your host, Todd Burroughs. edition of the Run to Daylight Variety Hour. I had forgotten that my music didn't start automatically last week. I just, I guess I figured it would fix itself. Sorry for the little bit of a delay getting out of the gate. Uh, Week four in the NFL, a lot of news, a lot of interesting things going on in the world of football. Um, I primarily am a player on DraftKings uh, coming off a week where a lot of experts were complaining about how bad they did and were pretty tilted. Um, I was down less than 1%. So uh, I think I put in a little over 500 and won like 490 back. So can't complain after a good week two that week three was about flat hoping for better things in week four but I gotta be honest um, DraftKings has done a really good job pricing which has made it very difficult to be contrarian um, (laughs) because you, you just can't find value at the running back position and even at wide receiver and tight end it's you know, there's a couple values at wide receiver, I think. Uh, but tight end, there's a lot of question marks. Uh, pricing on Ertz is up. It, it really kind of locks you into a, a, a certain way of doing things this week. And, and I think there's going to be higher ownership on certain low-priced quarterbacks than I've seen on the sites that predict ownership, uh, just simply because it's so difficult. Um, There's also some other issues as it relates to, you know, Bilal Powell and some of the lower priced running backs. Um, It'll be interesting to see how much ownership there is. I want to like Powell, uh, probably will play him in cash, but at the same time, boy, they really haven't shown that they're willing to give him the kind of workload that they did last year. And by workload, I don't even just mean the number of touches. 
but they're not throwing the ball to him. So uh, that that's uh, that's interesting. I do think that there's some interesting plays and some things that are under the radar. We'll talk about that more with Mauler around 8:30. Um, we got a couple tape segments this week. A couple of the co-hosts, uh, segment uh, co-hosts, uh, had prior engagements tonight. So I'll start Sal's segment in about two minutes. He couldn't join us live. We taped it this morning. Matt Wispy with the numbers game will also be taped in 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 about ten twenty ten twenty five. Um, doing Josh Hersmeyer's air yards. That should be fun. Uh, it was fun. You guys hopefully will find it fun. The doctor uh, is always taped, and he'll come in around 945. LJ Cheney with the college football at 10. And then we'll finish up with Dominic, the defenses, um, somewhere about 20 to 10. So that that's the schedule for tonight. I hope you guys like this show. Uh, we've been getting a, a decent amount of listeners. Some of the segment hosts are talking about wanting to do a uh, listener league. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that we have the kind of listener base quite yet, to be honest, to do a listener league. We were kicking around some ideas about, you know, giving away uh, and paying for one of uh, each week of a listener who performed some feat of magnificence, which probably would just be emailing us. I mean, let's face it. Um, but if you if you if you would like to see a listener league, shoot me a DM on Twitter or shoot me a message on Twitter. Tell me that you listen to the show. Give me a proof of life and that you'd like to see a listener league and a chance to win a free entry. And maybe we'll do that. Um, the other thing that we've been kind of kicking around is whether we would get more listeners if we did the show on Friday night. If you have an opinion, uh, shoot it over on Twitter. My original thought on doing the Saturday show was that there's a lot of pretty well-established shows that are on Friday night. Uh, but the truth is that uh, doing, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is a perishable show in that uh, pretty much once Sunday comes and goes, um, even though we try and do a little bit of humor, the show, you know, it's not as valuable once the games have been played. So we've talked about maybe doing Friday so more people could listen. If you'd like to have the show on Friday instead of Saturday, let us know. Uh, we probably will do the show next Friday as a test. And uh, even if we don't hear from a lot of you, we'll look at the numbers and we'll make a decision from there. Um, frankly, we're too small to really be tied to any one date or time. Uh, we're just trying to do the best we can here. So uh, that's really what I've got for a preamble. Uh, Sal and I, uh, we did start and sits and we did a couple of the issues that uh, – we, we, you know, he he thought he wanted to kind of get into this week, so we'll get to that in just another minute. Uh, trying to think, was there anything else? If you're not noticing, I'm trying to make sure there's not enough time for this segment to finish and the mauler to get on. I, I think we should be pretty good. So uh, let's get to Sal's week 
for interview. Please welcome to the show, Sal Lido. Sal, how you doing this week? Guess what I forgot to do? I forgot to give Sal his entry music. Welcome to the show, Sal Lido. Sal, how you doing this week? Oh, I'm getting through, Todd. You know, with the change of the seasons, the cold is starting, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm surviving. I got, I got a holes locked and loaded and ready to go. Awesome, awesome. We're recording this early Saturday morning because we both had busy lives. Uh, Sal couldn't make it uh, later um, for the show. He, he had to work. What's the deal with letting work get in the way with fun? Uh, I don't get that concept. Yeah, there's this whole crazy thing where you have to pay bills and, and make sure stuff is taken care of on time. And when work tells you you got to work, you got to go. Unless, uh, you know. Unless, unless you win the Millie Maker. <laughs> exactly. If so you win the Millie Maker, then to, you've got options. Let's come together with a good lineup. <laughs> <laughs> we could do that one week. Uh, Mauler and I used to do that all the time until they made it illegal to share lineups. Uh, so we really don't do that anymore. Uh, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're contractually obligated to do each week uh, by the fantasy community is start sit questions. Uh, because, you know, both of us are from New York area and a little bit of rebels, uh, we've got our own take on the start sit questions. So go ahead, Sal. Yeah, and thanks again. These, uh, you know, some loyal fans have sent these in uh, this week. Our first one up is, uh, it says, Hi, my name is Kathy Bates, and I am really torn between starting Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson. Last week off of Watson's huge week, who would you start? Well, Kathy, um, typically I just tell people to go to Fantasy Pros and look at the ratings and make a decision that's wise or to buy a subscription for $30. But Kathy Bates, um, that question has brought me misery. And the misery is that if you have to ask that question, you probably shouldn't be playing fantasy football. What's the next question, uh, Sal? Well, I would hope she would at least just join my league. Uh, The next question comes in, and it's from uh, Eric Katnan. I really enjoyed wait, your segment. Wait, wait, what's the name? Uh, Eric Cartman. Eric Cartman. Oh, okay. This should yes. be interesting. <laughs> well, okay. I really enjoyed your segment last week of Start Sit. I did go to Fantasy Pros, and you are right. There are so many different ways to see information there. But in my home league, I'm, I still lost to Kenny last week. Should I start Big Ben this week or Russell Wilson? I think Wilson has the better matchup, but I really like Ben's attitude toward women more. Well, well, Eric Cartman, I, I don't know how to answer you because I refuse to deal with someone who misappropriates women. I haven't done my Cartman in a long time. That was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, Russell Wilson would be my choice, but um, 
you know, really, Eric, you, you really, even though it didn't work out last week, go to Fantasy Pros or buy a subscription. There's a lot of good services out there for $30 a month. Uh, last question, Sal. What is it? Uh, uh, okay. Well, we this is a return uh, listener, Mr. Dan Tanner from Las Vegas again. The diet guy, uh, right? I, yes. Yeah. Last week he wanted to know if he should start a diet or sit on his fat ass. So this week... He said, I really liked your advice last week, and I started a diet instead of sitting on my fat butt. But I started a diet where I used a laxative to make myself crap a lot. So I am wondering if I should start a real diet or just keep shitting. So it's not really a start or sit question. It's more of a start or defecate question. <laughs> I think another word that rhymes with sit might have worked there. You, you know, <laughs> I, I guess you're right. Um uh, boy, that's a tough one. As someone who struggled with weight issues his whole life, um, I can only tell you that uh, by going to Fantasy Pros, you can see who's the best start each week. Or you could pay a subscription to um, one of the diet services, and they could help you make that decision. So um, that, that's our start shit. I mean, start sit segment for this week, Sal. Um, I think we're doing pretty good with that segment. I'm sure it's very high. I'm sure it's the most listened to part of the show right off the top. I know people locked and loaded each week listening to that. Loaded full of what? I don't know. Well, it's obvious, unfortunately. Um, last week's fourth quarter, the Giants seemed to just pass and, and finally do something. Um, now that everyone in health is healthy, and e do you think Eli's a good play this week? I do. I do think Eli has a good play this week. I have Eli in uh, plenty of my lineups uh, this week, and I, I have OBJ in there with him as well. Uh, I think it took a little bit of time for them to get on the right page. Now, I don't think that Eli is going to be consistent the rest of the year, but I do like this matchup uh, with the Bucks this week. The Bucks gave up an absolute whopper of a day to Case Keenum last week: three hundred and sixty-nine yards and three touchdowns. So. I don't think that the weapons on Minnesota are good. I don't think that they can compare with uh, with OBJ and and Brandon Marshall and Sterling Shepard appears to have you know revitalized himself after he was cast away and said you know maybe wait a year or two for him. So with Evan Ingram thrown in there and they can't run the ball, I expect this week to be a, a big passing day for the Giants. I would absolutely get him in. Yeah, I, I definitely am going to have some lineups this week with Eli. I wasn't on him early, but um, uh, listening to JM to win, and that, believe it or not, as a Giant fan, that's one of the few games I didn't get to watch this week. But what did you call the, the Giants' number one wide receiver? <laughs> OBJ? Yeah, that's what I said to her. Oh, BJ. Oh. <laughs> Was there any money exchanged in that conversation? Uh, not for about 30 years. Um, oh, God. <laughs> and, and, and not very often even then. I'm on the record for that. Um, oh, yeah. So uh, the, the issue is the Giants' offensive line is atrocious, but with them throwing more short passes and the ability for the OBJ to take any of those to the house, I think that's a decent stack. Uh, for uh, Daily Fantasy. It's not my most owned, but it's one that I'll have a couple of. Um, in his last five starts against the Broncos, Derek Carr has never performed well. 
However, in 2017, the way to attack the Broncos' defense has been through the air. Um, it seems like. You know, uh, it, it's still kind of early because last year they were weak against the run. Um, I don't know if there's any good way to attack the Denver defense, Sal, but do you think that Derek Carr can break through and get the Raiders back on track this week? I'm worried about this game. As a Raider fan, it definitely worries me. Um, I'd be a little bit happier if we played well uh, last week, and, and they didn't. So, no, he's got nine turnovers in those five games, and five of those are fumbles uh, against Denver. So he, he definitely feels the pressure. He's still a young quarterback, so – you know, I'm not sure that he's totally ready to make that next step yet. So I don't think I'm going to have him in any of my lineups this week anywhere. Um, like you said, very good point. And, and my uh, co-host on the Fall Files podcast, Kevin Cotillo, he pointed this out the other night on our episode that he thinks Denver could pretty much adjust their defense to whatever the team is going to present. So they've shut down good running backs in the last two weeks, uh, Shady McCoy and, uh, and Ezekiel Elliott. But he feels if they game plan to shut down the pass, they'll shut down the pass. So just because they gave up seven touchdowns passing this, this year already doesn't mean it's a light up the scoreboard week. I hope the Raiders could grind this out. I hope they could get a low-scoring win and, and get ourselves back in the win column. But for, for fantasy reasons, I'm not going to have much of the guys in the passing game in my DFS lineups. Yeah, as you were talking, it, uh, two things occurred to me. The first is if they try and stop the pass, maybe Marshawn Lynch um, can have a decent day, although without him playing a full complement of uh, snaps, it's hard to trust him as a DFS player. Um, The the other thought was that uh, uh, an offense that I'm pretty high on this week is the Broncos' offense. And Amari Cooper and uh, Crabtree, they're going to be incredibly low-owned. I mean, you could probably get either one of them at 1%. So I'm, uh, as I was sitting here, I was thinking, boy, you know, to throw either Cooper or Crabtree back, um, you know, how it's, it's all, you know, if the game does turn into a bit of a shootout and the Raiders are successful, uh you know, you can get um, a, a fairly high-owned stack. Uh, Simeon might not be that high-owned, but I expect Thomas and Sanders to both be over 20%. Uh, what do you think about if you had to pick one of the wide receivers this week? I know some people will put Jared Cook in as the guy because the Broncos do funnel to the tight ends, but if you were going to pick one of the wide receivers in a lineup like the one I described, which one would you choose? It would probably be Cooper for me. I, I, as much as I love Crabtree and I own him in more of my because the value is so much better. Uh, Cooper has been down the last two weeks, uh, but Crabtree is also coming back from a chest injury last week. Uh, so for me, I go Cooper because I just think it's it's like a every other week type of thing with those guys. So and yeah, I, I think I play that way. He's the deep play threat. He gets behind the defense once, big play. Then you get four for 40 out of them the rest of the day at 6K, you know, at, uh, with low ownership. That's, that, that's, that's a really nice day. So um, I like that. Um, the, th- the third topic <clears throat> is Jay Ajayi. I mean, boy, did he let me down last week, Sal. And coming off a down week, he faces off against the, the Saints in London. Um, why do you think – 
you, you know, I know you wanted to talk about Jay Ajayi this week. Why, why do you think it's significant? Well, for one, if we want to look for the narrative street angle on this one, uh, Jay Ajayi was born in London. He lived there for the first seven years of his life. So, you know, he's going back home, so to speak. He wasn't raised there, but he's going back home. So he's going to want to perform and, and put on a show. He may still have some family there. Don't look that deep. But he's facing off against just a terrible Saints run defense. They're worse than the league at defending running backs through three weeks. They've given up 320 yards rushing and 290 yards receiving to running backs, and they've given up uh, 29 receptions to running backs. So I know he's not the big pass-catching running back in now. I think on the game tomorrow, tomorrow morning, he will absolutely get a few receptions added in, which brings the value up. And, yeah, he's, a, he's always been a boom or bust running back. This is definitely a boom matchup. So – He's a, he's a guy who is in a few of my lineups. Don't be scared off because he did hurt you last week, and you're not the only one who he let down. Uh, but he's plugged in into, into some of my uh, my rosters this week. It, it kind of reminds me, Sal, that if we ever get a little, you know, we talked about earning money earlier in the podcast. I think if we set up, a, you know, a suicide hotline for fantasy players and, you know, we could talk people down off the edge, I think we could charge a dollar a minute, don't you? Oh, I'm down for that. We got can we cover the New York State tax though? We got to charge a little bit more than a dollar. It gets expensive living around I'm here. I'm sorry, I meant a dollar a minute. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. Dollar a minute, we could pay the taxes, even in New York. I think. I like it. I like the idea. Let's get the old 800 numbers. Bring them back. It, it, you know, Sal. It. Uh, they, they. You knew if it started with call 800. Or call 888, you knew you shouldn't call it. <laughs> <laughs> but you did anyway. <laughs> uh, speak for thyself. I already admitted to one thing today. Um, that, that, that one I never did, to be honest. So um, that's going to do it for my segment with Sal. Sal, as always, thank you very much for joining, and I look forward to having you hopefully not working next weekend, and we can do this live. Yeah, I'm going to get that done for you, Todd. Because... And there goes Sal. He's been going in and out, folks. Um, that's going to do it for my segment with Sal. Hey, good luck. And uh, that's how it ended. Uh, so <clears throat> Sal, uh, Sal phoned it in literally this week. So um, we're getting ready for our next segment with the Mauler. And... Welcome. Game over. Mauler, are you there? Yeah, how are you this week, Todd? I'm 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 good. I'm good. Uh how about yourself? I can't complain. The uh baseball season's winding down. Uh I get excited about that. You know how long of a grind that is. And uh, NFL's been good to me for a few weeks, so I'm excited to hop on and talk about it. Yep, absolutely. Um I was uh, commiserating with myself earlier about just how tough the pricing on DraftKings is this week. Yeah, you kind of have to be creative, and that's uh, 
good at, at, at what we're doing. You know, we're always creative and, um, you know, thinking outside the box. So I think that's going to do well for you and I this week. Yeah, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. Um, who are your uh, Who are your plays at quarterback this week? Well, top play is Brady. Uh, I think he's going to be my top play until uh, he retires or dies, whichever comes first. Um, you know, he just doesn't slow down. He had that rough week opening week, but um, looks like he's in a good groove now. So he's always going to be my top play as long as he's playing. Uh, moving down to the middle tier, I like Roethlisberger at six grand. Um, you know, another uh, another guy that can put up big numbers in a hurry. And then moving down uh, at the bottom of the price tier, I like Andy Dalton. And, uh, hey, I made the call last week, and uh, Eli threw two touchdowns to o- ODB. So uh, let's go Eli again as the contrarian play. Yeah, I think those are some good choices. <clears throat> For me this week, definitely Brady up top, but uh, I just don't know how much of them I'm going to have. Um, I'm I'm probably going to be less than 10%. Um, mid-range guy, uh, even though it's a little towards the lower end, I'm pretty big on Dak Prescott this week. Uh, the Rams are a beatable defense, and I think people are underestimating just how tough the Cowboys opponents have been so far on the defensive end. So I'm really big on the Dak, um, the Dak train, uh, but my number one ownership is going to be my low price guy. And that's Trevor Simeon. Um, I, I really like him this week. Uh, Oakland's a beatable team. He plays better at home. He disappointed people last week. Um, I still expect him to have pretty heavy ownership, so I'm planning on having heavier ownership than I normally do on uh, high, you know, on uh, my top end quarterback. So um, that that's it for me. Uh, what you know, and I'll, I'll say that Dak is also my contrarian play because I haven't heard too many people talk about him. Um, what do you think, and uh, who do you have at running back? Yeah, I like all those picks, and I think uh, the Dak idea is, is uh, a pretty strong. Um, you know, you give me ideas every week uh, by thinking outside the box, and I think we do that for each other. Uh, you led me to a few more uh, Jacoby Brissett shares last week, um, so I think thank you for that. It was just unfortunate that Brady went crazy, and a lot of people um, had him, but my Brissett lineup's cash. So, like I said, we always bounce ideas off each other, and that's uh, – that's a, a good thing that we do. Uh, running backs, um, you know, I'm not too keen on paying up, you know, eight $9,000 range. But, uh, you know, Le'Veon Bell should have a big game, you know, con- considering the game script should go in their favor. Um, looking down towards mid-price, I like De- uh, Devontae Freeman and uh, McCaffrey. Both guys can uh, rack up uh, some points by catching the ball as well. So that's why I love those two guys. Also love Fournette in that price range. But the guys I'm looking for this weekend are actually uh, lower priced. I love Mixon. Um, he's 5,700. I am playing all day Sunday slates and then late Sunday Monday slates because I like uh, Carson so much and I want to have some exposure to him at 5,400. And then I love Bilal Powell 
with Forte out. Um, you know, he's going to get some, some PPR catches, and I love him. And then some sneaky plays, uh, Jaquez Rogers and Andre Ellington for me down there at the low end slash contrarian place. Yeah, <clears throat> again, good, good, solid picks. Uh, my favorite play of the day is up top. Um, it seems like it's going to be an Ezekiel Elliott chalk day. So besides having a good bit of Dak lineups, I'll have I'll have some lineups with Dak and Elliott, but most of them won't, hoping to catch the leverage if it's more of a passing day for Dallas. Um, couple hundred dollars above uh, Zeke is LaShawn McCoy. He's my number one play at the running back position this week. The man's been catching a ton of passes. I think they'll be able to run the ball more. And Atlanta is really bad at defending the running back out of the backfield. So on that turf, I I just think that uh, I wouldn't be shocked to get six catches 80, 90 yards for McCoy, maybe a touchdown. Then if he adds, you know, uh, 70, 80 yards on the ground, I I just think that there's a very good chance we're going to get 30 points out of McCoy. Um, The chalk, as I mentioned, is Elliott and probably Gurley. In the mid-range, I like Fournette, McCaffrey, and Dalvin Cook, all whom get a lot of – Action. Uh, Powell, I had going to play him in cash probably, uh, but uh, boy, they just haven't been throwing him the ball. Uh, You're the second person who said uh, Jaquiz as a uh, contrarian guy. I don't have any great contrarian plays. I would say that out of the contrarian plays that I'll probably have the most of is James White. And I I just feel like that um, whatever running back didn't play well the week before in New England is the guy to probably own. And uh, I think if I am going to play Brady, I'm going to stack him with White and Gronk and hope that it goes that way. Um, Those are my thoughts. Uh, Where are you at on wide receiver? Um, I'm looking at uh, Odell Beckham Jr. as my top play. Um, you know, Tampa Bay's only played two games, but they haven't looked real good against uh, uh, the top wide receivers for the other teams. And, uh, you know, OB, OBJ really showed up again last week, so I think he's ready to go. So I like him up top. Moving down the ladder, I like uh, Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen right there at 72 and 7,300. Um, I really, really love A.J. Green. He's my top play of the day. Um I think I saw a stat as all the the defensive backs were, you know, 15 or to 50 pounds smaller, and you know he was getting three to five inches on all of them. So uh, I'm going to go with those stats, and I like AJ AJ Green. Some value guys that I like: uh, Marquise Lee. Um, I think uh, Amari Cooper is going to have a breakout game sooner or later. He's down to six grand. Um, we both called Ty Hilton last week. That was great. I don't like him as much this week. Um, I started the week liking Willie Sneed, but now he's hurt. So the guys I'm looking at down, uh, you know, in the four to $5,000 range are the Seahawk backups if uh, Doug Baldwin is out. And uh, I'm hopping on the Jaron Brown train again this week. 
<clears throat> up top for me, uh, AJ Green is my, uh, you know, the high price guy. I do like OBJ some too. Um, Keenan Allen is a kind of a, a high price guy at 7,200, I guess you could say. Uh, my number, there's a lot of really good plays in the 6,000 range, but my number one ownership this week is going to be Des Bryant. Back to my narrative with Dak Prescott. Um, I saw some stats uh, this year. I wish I could remember who it was from about how Des is one of the more matchup dependent big wide receivers that big cornerbacks, uh, you know, really good cornerbacks give him trouble. He had three of them to start the season. Now they come home against the Rams who really don't have a big time cornerback. So Des is going to be my number one ownership this week, probably at the wide receiver. Um, in that range, Hopkins, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, again, back to Simeon. Um, I liked DT more than Sanders for most of the week. And then I was listening to Adam Levitan last night talk about how, I think it was Adam, um, it, uh, it could have been JM, but I think it was Adam, who said that uh, Sanders fits with being more of a shifty wide receiver in matching up with the big corners on Oakland. So kudos to Adam for that one. He switched. I switched uh, based on that, my ownership of those two guys around. <clears throat> I like Deshaun Jackson again this week. I like Rashard Matthews a, a lot this week. But uh, my number one contrarian play is my, my best low, low price guy, and that's Cooper Cup. Uh, I yeah. think that that Dallas Ram game could be a shootout, uh, a lot more offense than people are saying. Listening to Warren Sharp talk about that, I also, and Evan Silva, but I was already on this. And um, I've, uh, Cooper Cup is a guy, again, who didn't get a lot last week. So people might miss him this week. Uh, but I think that he is the best play, you know, close to 4K. Moore, let's move to the tight ends. All right. Well, um, he's not on the main slate, but favorite tight end, um, you're going to have to go to the, uh, to the different slates, is Travis Kelsey. And for the reason you just mentioned, he had a stinker last week. Uh, one reception for one yard, I'm pretty sure. Um, has a great matchup this week, so he's my number one. Uh, right behind him is Gronk. Both are high-priced, uh, and the same with Ertz. I mean, they're just all getting production right now um, that you see out of top receivers. So um, I actually have one lineup where I have uh, a Gronk-Brady stack, but I have Kelsey at the flex. That's just how confident I am in Kelsey this week. Uh, as you move down, uh, my contrarian play is Ed Dixon for Carolina. Um, he's filling in for Olsen. I'm hoping he gets a few, uh, you know, goal line looks this week. So I like him way down at, uh, I think he's 2,700. And uh, he's going to be able to save you some money there. Um, middle of the pack, I'm looking at Jared Cook again. Uh, we liked him last week. He think I uh, think he had four catches, 40-some yards, and a touchdown. So that worked out. Um, but, yeah, I really like the top guys. And, um, Ed Dixon is my contrarian tight end. What do you think uh, about the tight end? Uh, up top, uh, Zach Ertz is my favorite. He's got a really great matchup against the Chargers, who 
uh, our 30th in the league against defending the tight end, our 31st early this season, according to Football Outsiders. Uh, there really isn't a mid-price guy that I like. My number one low-price guy is Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, but I'm really mixing it up this week. Uh, Jenkins is going to be my top-owned guy, but barely 20%, a little over maybe. I'll have Engram, Ertz, Cook, Clay, and I guess the contrarian guy is uh, Cameron Brait. The Giants are notorious for not being able to defend the tight end position. He's a little more expensive, uh, I think, because of that than some of the other guys I just mentioned. And I think that he has a very good chance at home of catching a touchdown or two. Yeah. Yeah. I like all those picks. And like you said, the tight end position this week is, you know, if you're not getting the safe points up top, then it's really a crapshoot. So, um, you know, I'm hoping. And it's hard to get to that. It's hard to get the salary to do that because there's, no value. I, I mean, I would love to have 40% Ertz this week. I just couldn't find a way to do it. No, it's really, really hard. And, um, you know, you're really limiting yourself at other positions if you have to pay up at tight end this week. But like I said, Kelsey, luckily Kelsey was in one of the mini slates. So um, he was my favorite and I snuck him in and then went a lot of value um, everywhere else. On to the defense. Well, um, slate, you know, w- without uh, having a slate limit, my the the favorite play on the defense is the Seahawks. Um, they play Sunday night, so you, like I said, you have to get in uh, a different slate other than Maine to get them. Uh, Maine slate favorite D. Um, I like the Bengals and the Steelers both at 3,500. My uh, mid-price team, I'm going to stick with my Lions. They have looked very good. Uh, Case Keenum, the backup, is uh, in for Minnesota again this week. So hopefully the Detroit defense can uh, can stay hot. And uh, they're only 2700 so I guess you can go, uh, you know, them as the low price and uh, kind of contrarian if, uh, you know, I just don't think they're going to be high-owned even though they've looked good for a couple weeks and put up uh, good fantasy points. Yeah, I agree 100%. In fact, I feel like you stole my thunder a little bit. Um the oh Bengals boy. are going to be the, the Bengals are going to be the chalk. Um and again, I'm mixing up defense this week a lot. Uh, I I'm okay with being a little underweight on Cincinnati or even weight. Um I think Tampa Bay at 3400, Tennessee at 3300 are and Baltimore at 3,000 are all defenses that I'll have some of uh, in that range. Uh, Jacksonville is going to be pretty popular with the Jets, but I again, I just couldn't find the money. Uh, but Detroit is the number one scoring fantasy defense so far. They've scored double digits each week. And as you said, you know, recency bias, Case Keenum played well last week, but he's Case Keenum. And I know that they're scoring all these points mostly based on, you know, pick sixes, but I think that Case Keenum could give them one. And at 2,700, when you need money in a lineup, they're one of the two choices that uh, I'm going with. And the other one I'll throw out there is that's low prices, the Chargers. Um, 
Wentz is going to be throwing the ball a lot on the road. There's a good chance they're going to be behind. So if I'm completely punting defense, the Chargers are my choice. Mauler, always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, good luck in your games, and we'll talk next week. Yeah, good luck. Our, um, my crazy call last week actually paid off. If you remember, we were talking about defenses, and uh, I said the Jets' defense is going to be zero-owned and it's going to have a good game, and by golly, they did. So hopefully some that of was a good call. Calls- some of our crazy calls pay off for our listeners this week and uh you know it can bring home home some big bucks courtesy of uh our run to daylight podcast on tuckheads.com last week um my i made my my big prediction was that uh, parker would be on the millie maker team uh Devontae parker and he was i'll i'll say that this week i'm going to say that trevor simeon will be on the uh on the Millie maker, the quarterback on the Millie maker team. That's, uh, that's my guess. And if it's not him, it'll be Dak. Uh, Mark, yeah. good talking to you. Talk to you next week. Take care. Hope you uh, have a good week tomorrow and, uh, take home a big one. All right. That was the mauler. Uh, we're going to go on to the doctor and we had some really good, uh, interesting injury news this week and a good conversation with the doc. Um, so here is the doc. I need you to soothe my head, turn my blue to red. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Please welcome to the show for week four. Dr. Jeffrey Budoff. Doc, how are you doing this week? Living the dream, Todd. How are you? Well, you know, uh, you're a doctor. Uh, you like fantasy football. That that sounds like a pretty good dream to me. <laughs> it has its moments, yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So um, I thought what would be interesting to do is uh, our, our first segment of the year we talked about Andrew Luck and his shoulder. At the time, there was still a lot of people thinking he might be back week two, week three, and you came out and said basically you'd be surprised if he was back before week six to eight. Um, We just got a blurb that the orthopedist uh, David Chow doesn't expect Andrew Luck back till November. And that Ian uh, Rappaport reported that now it does look like, like you said, week six. So what are your latest thoughts on the Andrew Luck situation since you had a real good read on it? Well, you're being kind. I actually think I said I thought week five would be probably the week, although it could be later. And Dr. David Chow actually said he thought week four to five. That was his original prediction. So why are we amending our predictions? It's it's because you need some time to practice. It's not like, okay, cleared the practice, you know, get in the game. You need some time to get in uh, tune with your teammates to work on the timing before you'll be effective playing. How long, you know, for a rookie longer than for Andrew Luck, somewhere between two and four weeks, say three weeks, probably. Uh, practice before he can play now. He has not yet been cleared to practice. So if you do the math going into week four, you know, 
Week seven would probably be the earliest. Week eight might be more reasonable. I'm not sure when their buyers or when the schedule is or who they're playing in those weeks, but you know, it's going to be a few weeks after he's cleared. So it's pretty simple if you own him or if you're thinking about picking him up. When he starts to practice, add three weeks roughly, and that's probably when he'll play. Yeah, and that's if they're not so bad that they decide to postpone it even more. Yeah, well, that would be a football decision, which, you know, you're more of an expert on than I am. Well, you know, speaking of you being a doctor, I I think you're pretty good at the the human species. Um, what what do you think about the the comment that Andrew Luck is the world's largest hobbit? <laughs> I hadn't heard of that one. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Enough yeah. enough about me and my jokes. Um, Jimmy Graham and Doug Baldwin of the Seahawks um, would just announced that Baldwin was a game-time decision, Graham issues. What are your thoughts on these two? Well, Jimmy Graham suffered, suffered an ankle injury, played through week two. Wasn't 100%, but he had his best game of the year. Uh, he won 7 of 11 for 72 yards, so that's, you know, 14 PPR points. I'll take it. Uh, basically, they kept him out of practice Wednesday, got a limited sorry, got an limited uh, practice yesterday, and they said that they really just kept him out Wednesday for precautionary reasons. They're just taking it slow. But he played well last week, and he should play well this week. Baldwin, he's a little more iffy. At the end of week three, he strained his groin. We were told he would be day-to-day. It's not serious. Um, but he didn't practice Wednesday and Thursday. They said, well, we're just going to hold him out until Friday and see how he does Friday. So he hasn't practiced today. It's not a sure thing that he plays. Um, he may, uh, but if he plays, he may be, I think Vontae Davis is back, so he might be shadowed. Uh, and it's Sunday night, so you'll need a backup plan. There's no guarantee he plays. See how he does in practice today. If he's a full practice today with no problems, then I'm pretty optimistic. If they hold him out again or it's real limited, you know, I'd be careful. All right. Um, Kelvin Benjamin looks like he's going to be playing. Uh, any thoughts on whether he might be limited? You know, he probably just uh, tore some scar tissue from the ACL reconstruction from two years ago. Um, he didn't practice uh, Wednesday, but he did practice fully on Thursday. And he said that barring a setback, he'll play. I think he'll play. Uh, I think they're playing the Patriots. have done a great defense anyway, so he should do well even if he's not 100%. Gotcha. And it looks like this will be – it's going to be a quick week for us, Doc. Um, the last guy I got on my list is Will Fuller. Um, we've seen in the past people coming back from um, these type of injuries to the clavicle um, have issues by not waiting too long. Uh, what are your thoughts on Will Fuller? Well, he broke his clavicle on August 2nd, and it was fixed surgically with a plate. And the original timeline was two to three months. Um you know, he'll be returning one day short of two months. So that's very reasonable. Normally, people, NFL players, come back and play six weeks after a clavicle fracture that's fixed surgically. So 
So he's not too early. I mean, it's three months for clavicle to fully heal, but it's definitely healed enough, and uh, he's got a plate on it to add more strength. There's no uh, evidence that I've seen that it was an exceptionally bad fracture, many multiple pieces are extremely displaced. So it's a risk tolerance issue, but it's a very acceptable risk that I think almost all NFL players would take. He's practicing in full, and, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an increased risk of a refracture if he does land on the arm wrong, but really he should probably be okay. You know, I didn't put this on our list, but since we have a little extra time, there's a, uh, you know, and if you, 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 I know you didn't do your research on this, so feel free to punt uh, on answering if you're not sure. But um, it does look like Cam Newton isn't throwing the ball that well. It seems kind of like he's forcing it. The kind of shoulder, but at the same time, we're not hearing anything negative, and he's, you know, they're they're resting him but he's certainly playing every game. Have you seen Cam Newton much, and could you give us your thoughts, give us your thoughts on his shoulder injury? Oh, yeah. I mean, this is one of my flat-out areas of expertise, the rotator cuff. Um, I actually have written up this surgery and written articles and technical how to do it in chapters and actually helped uh, – popularize uh, this rotator cuff debridement surgery. Unfortunately, it's not working that well for Cam. But, yeah, he had a rotator cuff injury, and from the and I haven't seen his operative report or talked to his surgeon, but you have a rotator cuff debridement. I don't know how much time we have, and I can go into great depth, but suffice it to say you basically go in arthroscopically and shave out the bad tissue that causes pain, sort of removing tissue just like you would remove a, a gallbladder and appendix that was causing you problems now if the rotator cuff is normally about 14 millimeters thick can't be big maybe 15 or 16 millimeters thick so you can remove you know a number of millimeters before you would have to repair it even the professional athlete so it's just a removal operation with nothing that really has to heal having said that if it's this towing shoulder there's a lot of stress on that and you can just have this residual inflammation. I'm sure they've injected them, uh, but it's just not quite right. You need to rehab it to get, regain the strength of your rotator cuff and the shoulder blade muscles because the throwing motion puts a lot of stress on the uh, shoulder. And it's just not going great for him. It just, I think eventually he'll be okay. I don't know what other damage he has, shoulder or how extensive the rotator cuff degeneration slash injury was, but um, he should be okay. Honestly, he probably could have used a little bit more time before he got back into it. Uh, and he probably, you know, they could have probably put Derek Anderson for a couple of games now in hindsight, and hindsight's always twenty twenty. but maybe if, you know, Derek Anderson had played a few games, he might be back a little bit better right now. I think he's just going to have to sort of try to rehabilitate it and try not to stress it too much. I think that might be a reason they don't want him to run too much because they definitely don't want to have him take a big hit on that shoulder, don't want to have him fall on the shoulder, get tackled on the shoulder, get driven down into the shoulder, and don't want to have him throw too much too far. So, you know, it's one of those things you just sort of see how it goes. But, I mean, that that's probably what's going on with that shoulder. 
So he's playing New England, who's been an awful defense this week. On one hand, you'd like to think that he would be a good GPP play because everyone's going to be off him after he bottomed out against the Saints last week. Um, are you going to have any Cam Newton in your DFS lineups this week? None. All right. You've heard it straight from the doctor's mouth. And while I was uh, talking to the doc, we had one other bit of news come across. We're recording on a Friday this week that Jamal Williams of the Packers has avoided ligament damage. The MRI came back negative. So that's good news, doc, if you're a Packer fan. So who do I pick up this week, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams? Well, it looks like they're saying that Aaron Jones is going to be the starter next week because Williams won't be back, but he might be back the following week. So if it, it, it depends on uh, – do you have a lot of Montgomery shares? No, none. You know, I he hasn't stayed healthy to me. Last year he got injured – and he only got, you know, double-digit carries, I think, one or two games last year. In the preseason, he got banged up with a, quote-unquote, leg soft tissue injury. And they start talking about a sickle cell trade, if only to deny it was involved. And he's, as you know, wide receiver turned running back. I'm not sure how well he can protect himself. I never really thought he might go without significant injury or be able to make it through 16 years. It's already week four on the first play. He got some ribs broken. So, no, I, I have him in uh, best ball, but I avoided him in season long for just that reason. But that doesn't mean that uh, if he's going to be out for a few weeks, he, you know, I might not pick up Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams and then hold him because, you know, he might go out later on this year. I'm just, and you know, I have no knowledge that nobody else has, but I'm just a little bit skeptical of his ability to avoid the injury bug at that position for a prolonged period of time. Yeah, I mean, I was a big Jamal Williams guy coming into the season. I own a lot of him in best ball, so it's really good news overall for me. But he hasn't looked that good. I think Jones looked better yesterday than I've seen Jamal Williams look. Um, I guess my big point, Doc, would be if it's a, a league where you use bidding bucks or fab, whatever they call it, I wouldn't shoot my load on uh, on either of these guys because Montgomery will be back in a few weeks. And then, you know, I, I just hate spending all my bidding bucks on a maybe guy or a guy that I'm only going to get a couple weeks out of. Yeah, I agree. All right, that's going to do it. The doctor gave us the news. Doc, thank you very much. Looking forward to talking to you next week. Yes, sir. Thank you, Todd. Football is a rough game and often a cruel one. Every time you lose, you die a little bit. You die inside a portion of you. Not all of your organs, maybe just your liver. Pain is inevitable. Coach, you there? Hey, what's up, buddy? How you doing? Good. How about yourself? Oh, I forgot to turn the mute button off after the last segment, so I was doing this whole thing about how since pain is inevitable, uh, it's time to introduce you, and <laughs> and then you didn't hear me because I, I, I caused my own pain this time. Oh, man. How old are you? <laughs> <laughs> Too old. Too I can't old. find the button. <laughs> I can't find the damn button. 
So, oh, um, nah. you know, I, you I and I like to... It got, it got quiet for a second, so... Yeah, um, yeah, and and typically yeah. any room that's with me in it that gets quiet, something's definitely wrong. Well, you know what? All I heard was the crickets outside my window. That's that's the damn truth. That is the truth. <laughs> so um, the the next uh, the thing that you know you and I like to tackle the tough situations, the hard subjects, and frankly, sure. we, we we like getting you upset. So um, okay. no subject will probably get you more upset than this whole kneeling thing. So uh, we, we have not rehearsed this segment. I have no idea how you no, feel I, about the subject. Um, give you, me you and I haven't on, spoken in like two weeks, I would say. Um, exactly. I, you, you don't even know if I was. Well, you took a knee on the episode last week. <laughs> well, yeah. I got to be honest. I completely forgot about you and I apologize. Um, uh, well, the, I didn't forget about you this week. That typically only happens I, with women. With the well, I, I, I'm I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, it's not a, it's not something that I meant to do. But um, now I have you regularly scheduled in my Google Calendar on my handy iPhone, so I won't ever miss a, another appointment with the Todd Pod. Um, Excellent. As far as, as far as my, uh, my insight on this whole uh, kneeling thing. Um, I, uh, I don't know, man. I, I see, I see like two sides of it and like they're, they're both so passionate. You got the, the kneeling side. And of course, like, you, I, I, I don't know. I, I, this is, this is my thing on it. I just, um, I don't see anything wrong with not having a side. Is is that so wrong? Like not, I, I care. I care very much. I, I, I think that, you know, what it's being symbolized for is extremely important, but I think that the people that are on the other side of it, the ones that are extremely pissed off about it, um, I think that they are wrong or they're, they're angry for the wrong reasons. So that is what I mean when I say that I'm kind of on the outside when I like I see everybody getting so upset about it, and I understand why they're upset about it, but I don't think that they know why they're upset. So, um, can I can I venture? Uh, I'm going to yeah, venture yeah, an opinion. Um, I think most of the people who are really upset about this, um, they might not even think that they're, they're they have some racism in them, and maybe they don't. Uh, but I do think that. You know, especially from a right wing perspective, if it was a bunch of white players protesting Obama by kneeling on the sidelines, I would say that 80 percent of the people who are super pissed off right now would not be pissed off and would be defending it. Um, Our country has our, our country has gotten so divided and there really is very, very few people in the middle. So um, I think that there's probably 20% of the people who would be upset, whether it was black guys or African-Americans protesting police brutality um, or white guys protesting Obama, that they would be upset regardless because they don't think that that's the way to treat the flag. I think the other 80% would be radically supporting the, the, the white players protesting Obama. So that, that's my feeling on that. And my other thought is that one of the things that is truly missing in our society is empathy. 
the ability to put yourself in the place of other yep. people and understand what they are going through. Yeah, and, just, you know, I've got a lot of African-American friends and I didn't get them until later in life, meaning as an adult I had. I mean, I grew up around African-Americans and I had some that I were friendly with, but in my 20s and beyond, I, I mean, literally my best three friends in the world are African-Americans and one or two of them have really explained to me what it's like. And so that's helped me to have empathy where maybe I might not have had otherwise. And I, I think that if it was people being shot by black policemen in, um, in the streets, the way that they have, again, it's, it would be different. So uh, those are my thoughts, and now I'll let you uh, cool. grab back and uh, counterpoint. Yeah, no, and and that's that's kind of what what I'm saying is is like for me to dive into it. Like I, well, the only thing I can do, to be fair, is look at the issue and look at it from an outsider because that's all I am. For other people to look at it and say I'm going to burn my tickets and I'm going to burn my jersey, like you're you're being ridiculous. Stop burning your stuff, like. That's your stuff. You already gave the NFL or that team or whatever hell you want to call it, that entity, you handed your hard-earned dollars over to that person for that jersey or that season ticket or whatever the hell. So don't set it on fire because you're just burning your money. Um, you're being a dummy. Um, that being said, it's not, for me, it's not fair for me to be a regular white guy from New Jersey and uh, tell – a black guy that he's doing something wrong by kneeling in protest because that it happens to be the platform that he has, whether it's the uh, national anthem or what. The national anthem just so happens to be the one time where he can have his helmet off and be a recognized uh, individual, not just a, a team player. Um, you know, if they take their helmets off during the game, they can get fined. There, there's certain things. It, it's just whatever. The point is that they have a platform and they chose it. Um, on the other hand, I support the police. Of course, they're the protectors of our society. Um, I respect the police. I've had beer. With, I, I'm friends with police. I've I've grown up with. I have a PBA card in my friggin' wallet. Like, <laughs> um, you, it, there's two sides of it, and that's the person. And I'm I'm on the outside. It's not that you play both sides. You're not sitting on the fence. It's just that I understand both sides. It's not even both sides. It's it's about, like you said, the empathy decided that you need to you need to just step the fuck back for a second and people need to stop being so angry um the way i look at it is um have you ever seen the movie american history x with uh yeah, edward norton with the, edward Ma norton. amazing movie uh it's it's a it's a great movie at the very end of it there's a there's a, a quote by that kid that's in terminator 2 um he says uh, anger is baggage Life is too short to be pissed off all the time. So, I mean, who, who, hey, let's just watch football and have fun with that. Um, on one other note, I know you're probably going to kind of go to the next guy because you've got the variety thing going on. So if we could kind of uh, end on a, a similar type of thing where it's a controversial thing. And we, I, I want to tell people to stop adding players uh, on Twitter because you're pissed off that you lost your week in your $25 league, you're being totally fucking lame. Um, nobody's impressed by it. In fact, you're, you're, you're going to end up ruining, 
ruining a, a, a good thing. Like you, you look like a jackass. Um, the player does not give a shit, nor does he give two shits about your stupid team. He doesn't care that you drafted him in the second round or whatever. So that you're is. saying you're, you're saying the players have a lack of empathy. No, no, no. I'm saying the players have something more to worry about, and that's that's their personal health and uh, their personal well-being and their family. I know, no, no. You you know what I'm saying, though, Todd. I mean, you've seen no, these jerk I mean, You've seen these dick heads. If you need to be told, isn't it isn't to, it ridiculous to, to not at a player because he didn't play well? You know, like the least of you know, he's worried about getting cut. He's worried about letting down his teammates. He's got 17 million other things on his mind other than your fantasy team. And then the other thing is he's not only hearing from you, he's hearing from every other jackass like you as well. Yeah. yeah. So um, all you're doing, you're just being another dickhead. And that's, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like it's like having to be told, you know, you shouldn't whistle at a woman while she walks by, right? Like, you know, no one should have to tell you that at a yes. certain point. Like, in yes, life. It, it, it's it's available. It's right in front of you. You're 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 in the proximity of it. Yes, it's possible. It doesn't mean you you should do it. And that that's the argument that they say when when you tell them not to do it. This is their argument, Todd. They tell you, oh well, if they can't stand it, then maybe they shouldn't be on Twitter. Are you serious? Let me ask you this. There was an asshole just the other day that um, he added Ty Montgomery, Ty Montgomery of the Green Bay Packers, the running back, when he broke his ribs. He said, I, I am glad that you broke your ribs, and I hope that from now on players aim for those ribs because you lost me my game in my fantasy football. This dude owns a website and all this other shit. I can't even remember the uh, – the, the handle of this dude, but I yeah, I, I, I saw it. I saw it. Ridiculous, right? R- ridiculous. Hey, like, coach, I do got to cut you short though, because um, right. uh, LJ only me, has a certain amount of time this week. So right, well, you, um, tell, you tell him to have a nice little Saturday, and if you need to uh, catch up with me later on with this conversation, you can catch up with me on Twitter well, at FF Couch Coach. At, and definitely, and I'm waiting for you one week for your segment to come up with one of your patented uh, uh, skits, so uh, don't be afraid to do that. Everyone, that was uh, the, the FF Couch Coach, and uh, go visit his website. He does a lot of good work. I'm going to bring in LJ to do the college segment. He, uh, I'm guessing that was Coach. <laughs> And I'm guessing I just cut him off. So uh, that was that was pretty bad. We're going to get right into LJ's opening. L.J. Cheney at Pacific Scouting. L.J., how you doing this week? I'm doing fantastic, Todd. I can smell that damn butt for the freaking the damn burp to my phone. Co- Coach is the – when we go lowbrow on the show, um, and uh, he went uh, he went pretty low there. So, um, 
uh, he's like a he's like a defensive end. He likes to be a disruptive influence. So um, most some some people play through pain. Sal did his segment through sickness, but you've really sucked it up. You're actually doing your segment in the middle of a family dinner, correct? Oh yeah, yeah. We're uh, we're at my fiance's grandparents' house, kicking back, and uh, I obviously have I, I have my Washington game and versus Oregon State turned on on the uh, TV here, so I'm watching out of the side view. But then, you know, I sort of went to a, the room so I could top the segment off you know so i mean i'm dedicated and it's it's nothing too big you know so i mean we'll be all right playing hurt all right so um before we talk about today you know we hung up and that penn state game was still in the balance and i don't watch much um much college ball but i decided to turn that game on an unbelievable ending i mean you you can't get a better finish than the end of that Penn State game last week. Oh no! And the thing with that is is the the kid that caught that game winning touchdown he goes by Jawan Johnson and uh you know the the people that are listening that that follow me they know that I'm a Debbie guy and he's someone that I've been so damn high on since he was a recruit. They called him Babytron or Megatron Junior as a recruit and that was good to see Jawan Johnson catch that pass from Trace McSorley at the end of that game, you know, as time's expiring to win that game. And that was, that was huge for him. He's a, he's a player that his ceiling's a lot higher than Chris Godwin's. Um, he just, he needed those reps. He needed to, he's pretty raw and that, that, that was cool to see. So uh, yeah, that was, I'm glad Penn State pulled that out. Um, you know, for Penn I was State, too. I it, it, my final four, it, makes, so. it makes the whole season more interesting having them not lose to Iowa in week four or five. Yeah, definitely, and especially with, I mean, you know, it's going to, I feel like, I just feel like they're the, they're the best team in the Big 12, or the Big 10, excuse me, and I think they're going to be one of the final fours, so that that was a, that was an amazing game, amazing feat by them, and going forward, you know, it's, it's going to be, they got death row coming up, but it's going to be a fun task for them. Yeah, I, uh, what games have caught your eyes so far this week? I know that right now, uh, a pretty, you know, a fairly major upset's going on with Troy beating LSU. Yeah, I know, and I, I can only imagine either Ed Orgeron, the head coach, or their OCs getting the can tonight. I mean, I would imagine he gets the can at the end of the year as well. One of them's getting fired tonight, I would imagine, or we'll we'll hear about it here coming up. It's just that, that their struggles on offense, time and time again, year after year, Darius Geis is a highly touted recruit or a prospect, and He's just, I mean, when you have no quarterback, you know, you know good quarterback play, the, the offense is very simplistic and, and defenses know what's coming, it's a lot easier to stop them. It's just that they can never find a quarterback, and it really hurts them. And that'll be a major upset. I mean, but first, you know, I, I really want to touch on last night's game. That was huge, the uh, WSU versus USC. Man, I was uh, all week long. The week went by so dang slow. You know, for me, I'm a Husky fan, a Washington Husky fan. But I do not dislike the Cougars unless and, until we're playing them. You know what I mean? So I was uh, all week long I was waiting for that game. Yesterday got off work, and I was sitting back. I had to go to the fair with my family and then hauled ass home to get back and watch that game. And then it was it was just a blast, man. Luke Falk stepped up. Sam Donald had, had a rough night. 
and I do not think that he is in Heisman contention anymore after that. And he is definitely this whole time Josh Rosen's sort of been my QB one, and and that sort of helps my cause out right there. So that was that was a great game though. Um, what what other games are on your radar? Well, actually, one that got over um, not too long ago was uh, Auburn versus Mississippi State. That was one that I thought, you know, that I have circled because of Auburn's quarterback, Jarrett Stidham. I've talked about him, I want to say the first episode we did this, I talked about Jarrett Stidham, and he wasn't performing too well. You know, he got shut down by Clemson. Uh, Mississippi State, they're a good defense, and they sort of ran all over him. Uh, on Johnson, the, the running back for Auburn, had three touchdowns again. He had four touchdowns last week. But that that's helping out Jarrett Sidham. He's able to to get comfortable. You know, they're able to work some play-action play passes and get him on, you know, rolling out and, and on the move. And he's, that's where he's dangerous. He's a very mobile quarterback. But he has he has these intangibles and he has uh, the fundamentals. Just I, I love I, he looks like an NFL quarterback to me. The, the stats and production, all that stuff isn't there yet, but the traits are definitely there. And that, that's one I had circled, and Auburn put it to him. They destroyed him. I want to say they beat him by about uh, like 25 points or so. So those are, those are who some did of the you games. Think gonna, who, who did you think was going to win the Clemson game? Well, I mean, that defense is just so stacked. I didn't think it was going to be, what is it right now, 17-3, to 3, something like that? It, yeah. Uh, I think – yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a little different. Um, I mean, we're we're still early in that game though, and their uh, freshman quarterback from Virginia Tech, Josh Jackson, he's he's magical. Uh, Cam Phillips, he's a stud wide receiver. That that uh, I, I I thought it was going to be a little closer throughout, but you know, Clemson there, they outside of Alabama, they possibly have the best defense in the nation. So that that's it's tough. It's a tough task for anybody, and uh, it's going to be interesting going forward to see how Clemson continues. You know, I haven't looked at their schedule of late, but I, I would imagine they got that locked up pretty good there in the ACC. Yeah, it's uh, that guy, uh, uh, Dabo, has done some job getting Clemson to where they are. Oh, certainly. And the thing is, it's it's just going gonna, gonna to be a powerhouse now. You know, with him winning that Natty and – at that point, he already built the program up to what it was. But after you win a national championship, that does wonders for next year's recruiting class. The year after that, you know what I mean? And and it's just yeah, been, and, and he won without that. Yeah, exactly. Right, you know, and yeah, yeah. Uh, beating Alabama. Uh, anybody who beats Alabama is my new favorite team. I'm right there with you. I mean, I'm a little bit of a hater when it comes to you know big time teams, big time dynasties and stuff. I, I tend to be somewhat of a hater and you know i'm right there with you i, I could care less about I, Alabama. I, I just don't like lou satan i mean saving yeah <laughs> yeah he's so a, um i know you don't have a, a, a ton of time this week don't want to get you in trouble with your fiance um but why don't you uh give us just the the the, the Devi update on both players who jumped out at you today uh both uh, the top end guys, and then throw us a name of someone under the radar who got you really uh, hot and bothered today. <laughs> well, it's sort of going to be the running back show today. I mean, the talent level in college for the running back position is absurd. And hold on, I got to all... interrupt. I, I got to interrupt. I'm sorry. Are, did you get a chub today? 
<laughs> you know what? I did. I was gonna. Do, I was just about to talk to talk about him shortly after this first guy. But it's just uh, it's insane. And my theory behind this, obviously, is you know, for some time there, the running back talent wasn't what we what a lot of people hoped for, and it's uh. A lot of the times, those running backs would move to DB or to linebacker out of high school and, you know, switch positions in college, but they're sticking at running back, and these are supreme elite athletes. And it's just, it's, it's absurd right now. The top guy that I want to talk about, though, is Bryce Love out of Stanford. And he popped off today. He had 25 carries, 301 yards, and three touchdowns. And man, that, that puts him over 1,000 yards on the season. That's only five games. I know they had that extra game against Rice to start it off, so he's a little, little bit ahead of some of these guys. Um, but they also did have that bye. But, you know, that's through five games, and there's only a, one other player since 2000 to do that, and that's Northern Illinois running back Garrett Wolf in 2006, who that's before my time of really diving into people. You know, I'm, a little, I'm younger. so But it, it, it's a huge feat. Bryce Love needs to be in there. In that that Heisman competition, you know he he could take Sam Donald's spot for all I care. You know he he definitely needs to be mentioned there. He's a guy that last year I dove I dove into him and I was very high on him, but then I had to take a step back because of his pass protection, his his functional strength that I didn't believe that he I, I didn't think he had it, and he's proven me proved me wrong up to this point. He's uh he's he's been able to break tackles. He has great vision, great burst. He's a he's a He's an ultimate athlete. He's a supreme athlete, and he he popped off today, and he's going to continue to do it. And Nick Chubb, I mean, he's an underrated. The thing is with Nick Chubb, he continues I gotta to be get underrated. That, I got to get that kind of, you know, that sound, boing. Every time you mention Nick Chubb, I got to play boing. Yeah, where's your, where's your soundboard at? Um, I, I Yeah, I have to load all my sounds, so. Um, the only thing I've got is a, a cash register and a bomb. So, uh, I, I gotta add, you know, the heart on, uh, I gotta add that one, uh, because he definitely is definitely not a, but he's been playing a lot like, a. yes, 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 he has. And I think I've probably mentioned him every show. Just because he's a guy that I've been, you know, following since he was a high school recruit, and he was just an absurd high school recruit, had the knee injury. We've talked about it, but he continues to do it. I mean, he only had 16 carries, 109 yards, but they destroyed Tennessee. You know, he he didn't have to really do much in the second half because they Georgia absolutely destroyed Tennessee, shut him out. Uh, I think they shut him out. I'm pretty sure last night both I, I stopped watching with a couple minutes left. But uh, man, poor Tennessee. <laughs> I could care less about Tennessee, but he he has, you know, there's certain things in his game that just make him so damn special. He is vision. You love to see a running back with vision, and he is at the top. I just tweeted out earlier today, and, you know, I've had that in some of my reports too. It's just his, his he's got next-level vision when it comes to running the ball, and it's just that's what you want to see. That's what NFL scouts are looking for. That's what they want. That's what, again, with Nick Chubb on top of his, you know, elite athleticism that I I, I, w- I hope he tests out well at the combine after that injury. He was a spark freak, you know, and that's just that's the, the advanced anal- uh, analytical side of his, you know, combining his his testing numbers out of high school. He was sparked up, and I think he continues that. And you know, I'll move over to some some other. I'll give you you know just a couple names for the underrated guys. 
And the the thing with this though is this is a freshman running back and he's you know he's not going to be underrated much longer. He's a guy that that's in my circle uh, of people. He's well talked about, and that's Jonathan Taylor from Wisconsin, who's a he's a true freshman running back. And uh, last year he ran the I want to say the, the 100 meter in like 10.47, set a state record in New Jersey. And you know he went to Wisconsin. Today he he had 19 carries, 80 yards, and two touchdowns. But he's once he got the opportunity to carry the rock for Wisconsin, he was, you know, it's labeled as a, a co-starter with two other backs. But I, I just you know I, I I just seen it in him. One of my uh, colleagues at DynastyFootballFactory.com seen it in him. He he notified me about this kid. I watched him and I was just up in arms about him. And next thing you know. You know, we, we were talking. We're like, you know, this kid's going to take that job. Sure enough, man, he took the job, and he's running with it. There are so many freshman running backs this year that are just absolutely insane. And he's he's up there. He's my he's on my third, third or fourth. No, he's my third. Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins, and Jonathan Taylor. And Taylor has the chance to, to you know, jump up to that, that second or first spot. So he's a stud. People need to watch out for him. And you know another one that that's going on right now. Yep. Last I've name. Of. What's up? Uh, last name. Layton. No, no. I said uh, the the la- let let's get a last guy out of you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. This is uh this is one that I, I was watching this game briefly, and this is Chase Layton from Marshall. He's a quarterback, and he has you know he's got such a high ceiling so much potential he's a guy that i've been high on since since uh last august actually in 2016 just because the intangibles the size 6'6 230 great arm great placement he's a little inconsistent at times um you know he he can make a splash play outside the hatches you know throwing outside the hatches outside the markers great placement one play and the next play there's a, a seam route that he overthrows you know a simple seam route that uh he's not able to step up and connect with but the throws that you you're not expecting players to necessarily make at this level, he's making them, and he 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 went off for. There, there was still they were going in the fourth quarter, and he was 21 of 33 with 233 yards and four touchdowns against Cincinnati, the Bearcats, and he's just one that I you know I think the listeners I urge them to sort of be on the lookout for. He could return, and you know, play another year at Marshall, but there's a good chance that. You know, he he starts getting enough buzz that that he might make that jump to the next level. So he's definitely one to look out for. And that that's that's my last name. You know, I just want to get some face lit and love out there for people. So Marshall, I'm, gl- I'm, gl- I'm glad that you did. Um, always a pleasure having Jan LJ at Pacific Scouting. Um, every week I get smarter about college football, and such so glad to have you as part of the show. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, I. Thank, thanks a lot, Todd. You know, you have a have a great Saturday night. Enjoy the rest of your week and your Sunday, and thanks for having me on, bud. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. So uh, the next episode is uh, our numbers episode, and uh, it's a tape segment. So uh, we'll get to it. <laughs> feel like a number, but I'm not a number. Please welcome to the show, Matt Wispy, 
Matt, why don't you say hello and tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter? Hey, thanks for having me, Todd. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WispyTheKid, and you can find my work over at Rotoviz. Absolutely. We we share a Rotoviz heritage, and we are proud of it. Um, so, you know, that song is contagious, and I'm I'm sitting here, and we're taping this. So I didn't even actually play the song lead-in, uh, but it's still on my mind. Uh, what what are the numbers that we're going to look at today? So this week I decided to highlight one of my favorite uh, writers out there at the moment, and that's Josh Hermsmeyer. And he does uh, right now he's working or he does a weekly buy low report based on his air yards model. And I'm also going to quickly at the end highlight a few um, of my favorite stats over at his site airyards.com. Awesome. Um, awesome. So, um, you know, I just saw him post something. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at it yet on Roster Coach. I'm a member at rostercoach.com um, where he talked about the exact same thing, his Bilo candidates of the week based on air yards. The first name that you've got on our list to go through is Markeith Lee of the Jacksonville Shaguars. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about uh, Marquise Lee? And so uh, Marquise Lee had a down week last week. Um, Josh's model actually predicted him to score approximately 11.1 points. He scored 8.4, so it's a 2.7 difference between how he had projected him and how he actually turned out for the week. And the thing that if you're looking at for, as a candidate looking to buy, the biggest thing to take – uh, he or be not concerned with him is that he's getting 26% or he got he's getting 25% of the air yards in week three and he got uh 21% target share so he's going to get big games with that kind of workload and even if you don't believe in Blake Bortles just getting that kind of volume is the kind of thing you're looking for as a fantasy player Right, and how do you think he matches up against the team he's playing this week? Um, I mean, I, I I would probably start Marquise Lee most weeks um, as a wide receiver too, just because he, I think he is the leading uh, wide receiver on the team against the Jets specifically. I I don't know. In other I, words, I my point is everyone could be good against the Jets. Yeah, I say that. I was all in on Jay Ajayi last week against the Jets, and uh, I don't <laughs> – Yeah, I'm that still was, licking my wounds on that one also. That one hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I, if, I'm, if, I, if I'm a Marquise Lee owner, he's in my starting lineup this week. And remember, and, folks, these are by lows. So there are people who didn't do well, but that – based on air yards, we're looking to see regression back to what they should have gotten. So the next guy on your list is another guy who was just atrocious, and the whole offense was, and now they go into Denver to play one of the more difficult defenses in the league, which makes him super contrarian, Mr. Amari Cooper. And Amari is, he's had two not-so-great weeks in a row, and Week three was awful. Um, if you're wanting to buy, if you're wanting to buy Amari Cooper, you might actually have one more week to buy him in a trade. Um, this week is a tough matchup, but I still think he's going to get 
um, he's going to do well just because it sounds like uh, Crabtree's going into this game a little bit banged up, and that might just force some some more work over to Amari Cooper. The thing worth noting about him is he's still getting the most yard or most air yards on the team, and even though he's not getting all the red zone looks that he got week one, he's still getting more than people were willing to accept because on one of the touchdowns in week two that uh, Crabtree uh, ended up scoring, the play before, Amari Cooper had a red zone target and there was a pass interference called. So he's definitely one of those guys that's a little bit polarizing because if you're chasing touchdowns, he's tougher to get um, buy into. But he's getting he's getting volume and, I mean, he was a first-round player who – or a first-round pick talent and was worthy of it based on all of his college credentials. Oh, absolutely. And uh, most of the talk that I've heard this week is on Jared Cook, which is going to make Amari, you know, a 1% owned player probably. And I love play, plays like that in general because you get a talented guy at a good salary – I mean, I, again, I, I'm not advising anyone to go all in on Amari Cooper this week. I'm just saying that I will sprinkle him in a little bit. Um, He's one of those guys to throw on the end of a or in one or two lineups because there is a chance that this could be a week where he blows up. Well, uh, and I think you know Trevor Simeon is going to be pretty popular this week. Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders are going to be very popular this week. And this is a, a, a neat play at a low ownership to differentiate yourself from those other lineups. The next guy on our list is um, also in that Jacksonville Jet game, one Robbie Anderson. Oh, and I wanted to ask you one more question on Amari. And just in general, if you have the points that Josh is projecting them for this week, I think that would be nice to get in on these. I believe... Uh, let me look for it. I think what he has, Matt, for this week, uh, I don't know if I have his projections don't for this week. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, all Sorry. right. So let's do uh, Robbie Anderson. So Robbie Anderson's on the Jets. The Jets are really not good. He's getting a lot of workload, and he's scoring touchdowns. He, I mean, there's a chance if, he's, if you're playing in a season-long league, he's probably either easily acquirable through trade as – a last guy on someone's bench um, or he's on waivers and you might be able to just throw him on the end of your bench and stash him because he is getting the volume. And at some points you are going to have those weeks where he, he plays and he's very good. Yep. He is a, he's a pretty good GPP play most weeks because he is a starter who's going to get targets. And uh, as we saw last week, he has that uh, touchdown upside. Next guy on the list was a darling last week who disappointed, which is always good if you're looking for contrarian plays, one Richard Higgins of the Cleveland Browns. Richard Higgins, in week two, he got all kinds of volume, and everyone thought that it was time to just buy, buy, buy right at that time. And that might have been the buy high approach. And while I do think that's, well within his outcomes, I think that you're going to see somewhere in between what happened last week and what happened week two. He's probably not going to be that superstar every week, 
but he's definitely not going to be one of these guys getting very little workload. Um, and he did, even though he had an awful game, he still saw six targets. So I don't, he's never going to be as high owned as he was in week three. And he probably won't have that kind of game as long as he continues to see the volume he's seeing now. And as long as Corey Coleman isn't playing, Rashard Higgins is a guy to keep an eye on. And I, he's another one of those guys. I, I'm probably not throwing him in all my GPP lineups, but I'm I'm probably going to have him in a few. The next guy, uh, a lot of people were more interested in when they thought Kelvin Benjamin was out, but Benjamin is in. Honestly, that makes him more interesting to me because I think he's more likely to do well with Benjamin on the other side. Devin Funches is on your list. Yeah, as a, I've been a hater of Kelvin Benjamin for a few years, so I've been waiting for Devin Funches to break out because I think, or uh, yeah, uh, I've been waiting for Funches to break out for a couple of seasons, and I don't know if I fully agree with Josh on this one, but he is still getting volume, and if he can convert some of his volume into touchdowns, if Kel, even if Kelvin Benjamin is playing, I, I'm still. I expect him to see a few or a little bit of extra workload now, um, especially without Greg Olson in the lineup for the foreseeable future. Awesome. The next guy on the list is a guy who uh, is going to go off this week because I've played him very heavily two weeks ago. I played him pretty heavily last week, and that this week I'm going to have none of them. It's Terrell Pryor. Yeah, Terrell Pryor is the one guy that – at the beginning of the year, you could he was kind of difficult to acquire. He was pretty pricey in season long in MFL tens. I think he was fourth round, way too yeah, high for me. He was he was really expensive. Um, I know Josh's preseason model loved him, and when he came to a team that had lost its two top receivers, it looked like he was going to be the guy, and there was a chance he could be um, live up to a top fifteen wide receiver uh, cost. And he's been bad. He has not been not been good at all. But he is getting workload. Um, let me pull it up right now to see actually what his area to Ben. But he's um, he is still seeing the workload you'd want to see from a a receiver in your starting lineup. It's just can he stop being terrible? And we'll have to I mean, see. He's got yeah, the opportunity. He, he's definitely one of those guys that is gonna test your patience uh it's set right now it's he's gotten in week one he got 28 percent of the targets he got 15 percent of the targets in week two and in week three he got uh 13 percent and his air yards have declined since week one i i'm not sure i'm i'm buying into him as much as josh's i know this was one of his favorite guys preseason but if he as long as he still gets workload there's definitely a reason to have a little bit of hope and if you're gonna buy him he's really getting very close to his absolute lowest price yeah and um as we know from the shawshank redemption hope is a beautiful thing maybe the best of things and speaking of things that might be the best let's move on to our next subject which is another one of josh's inventions i mean josh is an amazing guy um, definitely you should follow him on Twitter. His, he does amazing work. Um, so explain to us what Whopper is. I always thought it was something you get at Burger King or a big lie. 
Um, but obviously I'm mistaken when it comes to fantasy football. And so, yeah, so this is one of the stats that Josh put together during his uh, initial analysis of air yards, and it's it's called weighted opportunity ranking, and it's it's a combination of target share and air yards, and I'm sorry, target share of and share of air yards, and the way he did it, the reason why he weighted it is because when he did his analysis, he found that a target is worth approximately twice as much as uh, air yards. So the formula to do it is it's actually one and a half times the target share um, added on to uh, 0.7 times the share of the team air yards. And it's with that we can, when you use this formula, it can find a pretty stable volume um, over a season-long standpoint, and it can help pre- us predict who's going to score more using PPR formats. Yeah, and one thing from talking to Josh on the road of his Slack, <clears throat> excuse me, is he is really focused on stats that, and finding stats that are sticky. And for those of you who might not be aware, certain stats seem nice, like yards per carry, but they're not very sticky between one year and another and, and a lot of times even one week and another. Um, Whopper is a very sticky stat, and that's one of the reasons that we're talking about it and why Josh uses them. So why don't you take us through some of the the leaders in Whopper this year? And so I, I think this won't come as much of a surprise, but the top five leaders in Whopper um, are DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green, Antonio Brown, Tyreek Hill, and Julio Jones. Um, on that list, probably the biggest surprise would be Tyreek Hill. I didn't th- uh, – over at Rotoviz, we didn't have um, – as much faith in the fact that he would become such a huge part of their offense and he's proving us wrong every week. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, I, I mean, we keep, he, he's come down a little bit from the previous week. He was actually over a one in Whopper uh, after week two. Uh, he's down to a point nine, but yeah, I mean, it's these guys, the, the leaders on the teams leading in Whopper and you can kind of, well, I like this step because you can use it to highlight or and identify some of these players that are getting this level of volume, but maybe haven't converted it yet. Yeah, DeAndre Hopkins leads the league uh, with point nine. AJ Green, even with the horrendous first two weeks that the Bengals had, is at point eight three. Antonio Brown point eight one. And then Tyreek Hill and Julio Jones are tied at .72. I'm not scheduled to play a lot of the, uh, you know, I'm, I'm mo- more hanging out on the main slate, which takes Tyreek Hill out of it. I had a good bit of Tyreek last year. And if you're playing those slates on DraftKings, his price is still very good. And his ownership isn't that high considering uh, his price. So I I recommend Hill this week, um, and definitely AJ Green certainly has uh, you know he's going to be one of the higher owned guys this week, but Hopkins and uh, Julio definitely aren't. Yeah, I would agree. I think um, uh, DeAndre Hopkins is one of those guys that you're you've been burned by him for enough time as a low scorer as underperforming, but. He's getting the workload, and it seems like Watson, at least if nothing else, only has eyes for DeAndre Hopkins. And 
if that offense gets a little bit more efficient, DeAndre Hopkins is going to going to be right around that fringe wide receiver one most weeks. And, and again, he's in the six thousands for DFS in a week where there are no running back values. And you, you, you know, it, it's, it's a, an area of great opportunity this week. Absolutely. Um, the, the last thing we'll talk about is, um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with AJ green a little bit because, uh, he is going to be higher owned, <clears throat> um, right in the 20 to 25 point range is what it looks like. Uh, right now I've, I'm a little bit overweight on him and I might end up even weight depending on where he ends up. Um, oh, and that's only because it's just so hard to fit in a high priced receiver after getting done with the, the running backs. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually pulling up right now on the, one of the other cool tools that's on, over available at airyards.com is, um, what Josh has done is an, have created an upside profiler, which will help you lay out, pick out some players and see if you should be overweight or underweight on players based on their ability to score over, um, over three times. I actually think it's four times their salary. And for AJ green, he actually recommends being underweight. He thinks that he only has about an 8% uh, upside and that versus the field, you should probably be, lower exposure than the field on AJ Green even it though he does have what would appear to be a good matchup that that's interesting um well why don't we finish up with a couple guys that he thinks that we should be overweight on um yeah let me uh pull up a few of the name or a few guys let's uh for that this matter let's check out let's check out the guys we've been looking at so far let's pull up DeAndre Hopkins if I can get my computer to work sure and if you want to see Josh's work, you can find it on airyards.com. Um, I've seen a lot of people tell him he needs to be selling this stuff, but for now he isn't. So this is stuff that you can find and look at every week yourself. Absolutely. Um, so DeAndre Hopkins, as you said, he's on DraftKings right now at 6,400. Uh, he says he has about a 16% chance at upside. Or at upside, and he actually recommends you being overweight on him about, he says, 6% above the field average. And uh, so, I mean, he, he's going at buying into his belief or his uh, buy now stand with him because uh, he uh, is getting the workload. I'm going to throw out a couple names right. uh, Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon. Again, my computer loves me today. It's okay. We're a very <laughs> small show. I'm sure the few listeners we have will put up with a little bit of BS. <laughs> so at Trevor Simeon at $5,200, he's or at 5200 he's actually recommending being overweight on him versus the field um, because he says he has about a 13% upside. Uh, and his projection line is at 20.8 points, so he's saying that there's a uh, – better likelihood for him to go over than with some other guys. Awesome. Uh, let's do one more guy. Let's, oh, let's do two more. Let's do Zeke Elliott and LaShawn McCoy, because I'm way heavier invested in McCoy than Elliott because of the ownership percentages this week. He does actually recommend uh, Elliott as an overweight guy as well. He's got him at 13% upside. Um, 
and his his standpoint for uh, an upside play on this one is 32.8 DraftKings points. Um, for McCoy, actually, I think I looked at this one the other day. Uh, let's pull it up. He actually recommends being underweight on McCoy. Um, and that, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong, um, but I do think that with uh, this tool, it, it's an interesting look at McCoy saying that his likelihood to exceed the 33.6 points that he would need to um, perform at, it, it's not as likely. All right. Um, well, those were all really interesting numbers, Matt, and uh, outstanding job, and I'm looking forward to talking to you next week. All right. Thanks for having me, Todd. I did it again. Dominic, are you there? I am here. Yeah, I... Uh... I put the mic on mute again. I told myself twice to turn it back on, and of course I didn't. So, um, but at least I, uh, I, I wasn't as long of a, a wait as last time. So, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good tonight. How you doing? I'm good. So, um, I, I don't want you to bungle your first defense. Yeah, I don't think I'll, I don't think you're going to bungle it with the Bengals. They're playing, you know, Cleveland. They don't really have a whole lot right now. You know, Crowell seems to be a little hurt. They don't. They still don't want to use Duke Johnson out of the backfield, so he's still going to be their, you know, their pass catching back or their slot receiver. Kenny Britt doesn't even look like he wants to be there. It looks like he's pulling uh, Dwayne Bow from when he went to Cleveland. That uh, Corey Coleman's obviously hurt. You know, their best tight end's a rookie, and their quarterback's a rookie that loves to throw the ball deep, holds the ball way too long in the pocket. This offensive line that PFF had ranked at number one before the year started is doing dreadful right now. They're giving up a lot of sacks, and he's throwing a lot of interceptions. So I think just based on sacks and interceptions, there's a good chance for a pick six in this game, and you can easily get double-digit points out of your defense out of the Bengals. Yep. I think that they are likely to be the chalk defense. But the next defense you have written down is not likely to be chalk at all. Uh, tell us why you like the Patriots this week. Well, I just like the Patriots. I know they're they're not doing, giving up or they're giving up a lot of points. They've given up 300 yards passing every game this year. But I just don't think Cam Newton can do that. I, I think his shoulders hurt, hurt, hurt worse than he says it is. He should have done gone the Andrew Luck route and you know waited to come back. Now he has a hurt ankle. Even last week when they were on the goal line, they were, I think, first and goal on the one, and he never touched the ball to run it. He tried to throw it or give it to somebody else to run every time. That would never happen in the past years. So I just think that they're going to be lucky to get up 300 yards offense combined. I think McCaffrey's a good play, but McCaffrey himself can't do it alone. And then, obviously, the other rookie from Ohio State, Samuels, is going to be out this week. I think Benjamin's going to be limited, obviously, Olsen is on the IR, even though New England gives a lot to tight ends, but they don't have a tight end to use because Ed Dixon's, you know, not a threat. Devin Punches showed last week what he really is. He had four receptions on 10 targets, but I mean, 40%, you know, pass reception. That's almost like Amari Cooper level there. So, you know, you don't have to worry about him on to catch the ball. So you only, you don't really have a whole lot in the passing game. You have a little bit in the 
run run slash pass game with McCaffrey, but he can't do it all himself. So I just think that as a battle of attrition with injuries and everything, I think the Patriots are a good play. On to your third choice, the Denver Broncos. Well, we saw, you know, what they did against Dallas last time they played at home. You know, they gave up a lot to Prescott, but that's only because he had to throw the ball. He threw it 50 times, which he never does. You know, so that's why some of the receivers got good. But I don't think that's going to happen this time. Crabtree was already downgraded against say that doubtful, so he's most likely not going to play at all, which is going to put even more pressure on Amari Cooper. Last time Amari Cooper played in Denver, he had eight targets and no receptions. The last two times, or the, both times the car played in Denver, he has less than 200 yards passing. So, I, I, Marshawn Lynch isn't what he used to be. You know, he, and even if he is, he's not getting the full usage like he did back when he was beast mode. So, you're not going to have to worry about the offense too much. Plus, Denver is, is stopping people in the run this year, which they didn't do last year. They're giving up a lot more in the past. But, like I said, with only one receiver this week basically being out there, unless you have Seth Roberts or Kadera Patterson on the other side, if you want to consider them receivers, they're going to be able to shut down the offense as a whole. And it could be another ugly game for Oakland, just like it was in Washington last weekend. Last defense, the Arizona Cardinals. Again, I know St. Louis, or excuse me, San Francisco looked good last week against the Rams, but the Rams defense, although they're, better than they were. They're still not great. Aaron Donald's still getting back into the swing of things after skipping training camp and everything. Now they're playing in Arizona. You know, they're not going to be able to do a whole lot there. They have no receivers. They have Garston, and that's it. And you can put, if you wanted to, you can put Patrick Peterson on him, which I don't think they're going to do. But, you know, they really don't need to. They, I know they have Hyde there, which he, you know, Hyde did good last week. Obviously, he did great against Seattle as well. But, again, just like, you know, like I said with – uh. McCaffrey, you can't have just one person do everything for you and expect to do a whole lot. Brian Hoyer's not going to do a lot because Arizona's pass D is definitely better than their rush D. So in that sense, they're going to be able to shut down Hoyer. They're going to be able to shut down Garcon. All they're going to have to do at that point is worry about uh, Hyde. And also they're getting – they're saying that Ayapati might play this week, but they're saying that Humphreys probably will play at their left tackle. I think Ayapati – I think he got put on IR today. Oh, did he? Because I know last I heard they were talking about it. He said he was 100% going to play this week. But, yeah, if he got put on – but they're still going to get Humphrey back. Weird. Let be me double-check that. Let me double-check okay. that because I uh... – Yeah, because I know that uh, I, I still think they're going to be able to run the ball better. I don't think the Rams' rush defense is that good. So being able to run the ball, I think they're going to be able to. They're going to stay on the field a lot. I think they're going to win the time of possession battle as well, which is going to even limit the San Francisco 49ers even more than they're limited already by not having a truly good offense. Yep, Ayapati's out. Alex Boone's also out. Uh, Ayapati was placed on injured reserve with the elbow injury. It's a huge oh, disappointment okay. after Ayapati told reporters on Wednesday there was a 100% chance he would play. <laughs> well, I, I still think their line's going to be better that they're, you know, that they're getting Humphreys back and everything. So I still think they're going to be able to run the ball better. Like I said, they're going to be able to stay on the field. They'll, they'll win the battle of the time of possession. They'll, you know, so they're going to be able to even keep San Francisco off the field enough that 
any offense that they that they would have, they're not going to be able to have. Yeah, no, I like the Cardinals. The Cardinals defense is someone that I uh, I have a, a a good bit of this week. Um, along and 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 my sneaky defense is the Lions. What do you think about the Lions? Uh, that, I was going to say that's actually my sneaky defense. Also, I kind of like them against Minnesota. I know Minnesota's offense has been playing better, but. Case Keenum can't, you know, do the same thing he did last week. I don't think he's going to do it two weeks in a row. It's just not the type of quarterback that he's proven to be in his career. And uh, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the the Lions have actually had over double digit fantasy points every year this every week this every year. Every game this year. Yeah, every game they've had over, they've had I think 16, 12, and 17 uh, points on DraftKings. So you know, I think they are a sneaky defense. And I know they're on the road, but they're still playing indoors, which they're used to. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, any other defenses? Uh, we got about two minutes left. I think you can play uh, the Jacksonville defense, but I don't think, and I think that's another chalk defense that a lot of teams are playing. I don't think they're going to be as good as everybody thinks they are. I'm not, I mean, I guess the defenses are pretty cheap anyway, so if you have the money to spend up on them in DraftKings, I think you can do it, but I don't think they're going to turn out to be the highest rated defense, and they shouldn't be because I think you know, again, being another team that played in London last week and they're coming back without a bye, they're going to be tired. And the Jets, as I know it's the Jets, but they did show pretty good last week and they didn't have to travel at all because they have, you know, they had road game la- or home game last week. They have a home game this week. So I think the Law Pal is a good play against them. But I don't, I think they're, you know, McCown's not going to do a whole lot. So I, I do, don't think they're going to give up a lot of points, but I do think they'll give up a lot of yards. But they should also get a lot of sacks as well. So that they should get you some points there. Yep, I agree. All right, Dom, uh, another great job for you. Sorry, I'm I'm fading a little bit, a little tired here at the end. Uh, but thank you so much, as always. Great job on the defenses. Uh, thank you very much, and as always, thanks thanks for having me. Uh, uh, it is a pleasure, and uh, we'll have Dom on uh, again next week. And uh, you know, we're going to look to the bright side of things and. Uh, we'll we'll head out today with uh, the killers, Mr. Brightside. Have a good night, everyone. Thanks for listening.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.